0: This is Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry. And now, here's your host, healthcare benefits industry expert and the originator of the transparent health benefits movement, Lester Morales.
1: Man, oh man, I am loving episodes when Quite honestly, I get to go to school, and so we are back in school with another episode of Impact Healthcare Podcast, and I have Stephanie, and Stephanie, quite honestly, although an HR professional probably knows more about healthcare advising than most brokers do. Stephanie, for the Impact Healthcare Crowd who has never gotten the pleasure of meeting you. Give us an introduction to you and your wonderful company.
0: Sure. So I'm Stephanie Koch. I'm the Director of Human Resources for Hendry Marine Industries. And we're actually known also as Gulf Marine Repair and Anchor Sandblasting and Coatings. Those are our operating entities. We are located at the Port of Tampa in Tampa, Florida. We have 300 employees, so nice size company.
1: Nice, nice. So, Stephanie, so when we were prepping for this, we had a mutual sentence that we both uh, kind of, kind of, you know, chat about, which is our buddy Albert Einstein's definition of insanity. And so, when you and I are recording this, we're in the beginning of November. About 75% of employers right now are going through their renewal process. And I want to take you back. Six, seven, eight years ago, and that definition of insanity, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna play something out for you, and I want you to remember back in those days, right? So it's you know, let's call it September timeframe. Your a broker comes to an employer, and their renewal is bad. Surprise, surprise. They market that renewal. They take it out to the other insurance companies, none of which who have any vested interest to actually save anybody money. Right. And the broker comes back to the employer, an HR professional like you, and says, your claims are up. Um, We brought you back some options. And every option is increasing cost for employees. So either what you take out of their pocket or deductible or out of pocket, it's Mm -hmm. reducing the benefits and you, as HR and the advisor, need to go back to employees and get them really excited about a crappier plan that costs more money. Mm-hmm. And you found yourself in that situation and said, Enough is enough. I want to take, I want you to take us back in time and, and talk to us about that whole process for you.
0: Yeah. So, how you described it was exactly pretty much what happened. Cause I've been working in HR for 25 years, which I still can't believe when I say that out loud. You started but- when you were four. Yeah, thank you. I I like you even more right now. Uh, so, you know, being introduced to healthcare as a young VHR professional, it was fully funded with the BUCAS, right? The big healthcare carriers. So I'd if I didn't know any different, I thought that was the norm. Um, and about 10 years ago or so, I was introduced to self-funding with my prior company. And a couple of years after I was there, you know, we were self-funded with, all, with one of the big carriers. And the aha moment came in 2016 when we, again, were self-funded, doing all the things that the carrier and broker was suggesting we do. And we were still faced with an 18% increase. And if I'm not mistaken, the population demographic of our employee was pretty young. So we couldn't understand or substantiate why we were still getting increases. So at that point in time, we had an opportunity to reconsider how we were going to handle our healthcare strategy. And at that time we were introduced to non-traditional healthcare space uh, to which I was pretty apprehensive because I had never heard of it. And um, I tell you, that was the beginning of the turning point of me becoming very passionate about healthcare because we jumped in with both feet moving away from a traditional BUCA plan, even though it was self-funded, into this non-traditional healthcare space. And, you know, it had amazing financial results. But more importantly, the quality of the health care we were offering to our employees was even better than what we had before. So I couldn't be happier.
1: So, so I, I want to make sure for our, you know, back you're, you're giving people a lesson here. In case people don't know, Buca, Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Aetna, Humana, what what in the business we term kind of the status quo, the normal mm-hmm. carriers, and so that had been the history. And you you said, hey, if you didn't know any better, that's the norm. Well, unfortunately, that is the norm mm-hmm. in what in what happens today. And you know, kind of the, the terminology that always comes to mind as, you know, uh, a kid that was born in the seventies, you know, you remember the term, you, nobody ever gets fired for hiring IBM. I, I kind of feel in our business, nobody ever gets fired for hiring, mm-hmm. you know, one of the traditional names that that's out there. And I, I want to, you know, kind of dig into a little because you called it non-traditional and When you say non-traditional, what does that mean to you?
0: So, and it's something I really learned more of as the years went on. Um, So it's going outside of what people consider the normal healthcare plans. So it's going outside of the Cigna United Aetna Blue Cross. You know, in our case, working with a third party administrator, We get to select who processes our claims. We get to select an imaging provider. We get to select who our pharmacy benefit manager is. And we get to have more important, most importantly, transparency to the data that's, you know, driving the cost of our healthcare plans. Because the way I look at it, you know, if you're in a fully funded plan or even a self-funded plan with one of the traditional carriers, as we call them, You know, you don't have visibility to your data. So you're essentially writing a blank check to some company every month that, like you said earlier, doesn't have a vested interest in your company, whereby now we have the ability based on the data that is provided to us on a regular basis to create a healthcare strategy for the company. So you were talking about eight years ago, I was somewhere else but I've now been with Henry four years and lo and behold, we are following the same healthcare strategy, this non-traditional healthcare space for the same reasons we jumped into this as well.
1: So I, I want to make sure people understand because the power of what you said eloquently put seems simple. And I, and I want to take kind of, and let's build a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So today somebody has their puzzle, and and I'm just going to play with this candle, right? They're buying the candle all in one spot. They bought the case, they bought the wax, they bought the wick, they bought the match that they're going to use it. They bought it all from the same store. It's all plundered together. And your model that you're talking about, you're deconstructing the program. And so in those pieces, you said the third-party administrator, the person who kind of does all of the administration, you mm-hmm. talked about your pharmacy benefit manager, your PBM. Right. Uh, you talked about the doctors and the quality of the healthcare. And the other piece that we didn't talk about is, is the reinsurance, is the stop loss, right? Is the protection piece of it. And so in the normal model, everyone's buying one cozy, nice piece of, you know, to all bundled together. What you just did is you unbundled it and then rebundled it together together. And that word that you said rings just magic and and beautiful music in my ears, which is transparency and specifically transparency in the data. What knowing what you know now is that, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize this, that you would go back and tell the old Stephanie, hey, hurry up and do this thing, because on the other side, you get all of this. What, What are a couple of those things we could dive into? Wow. There's actually a few big ones. So one of the ones
0: originally, I remember I had an aha moment was when I was with my last company and we were really starting to evaluate reference-based pricing for the strategy for the healthcare plan. I remember the prospective broker suggesting, and we also agreed, that we would run a claim side by side. And it was a CT scan that one of our employees had a claim for. And at the time we were with, can I say the name of the company?
1: You absolutely can. Okay,
0: We were with Cigna. I wasn't sure. So we were with Cigna and we said, okay, the CT scan with Cigna was for argument's sake, say $3,000. And that's what the EOB said. They were beat. The plan was being built. When we ran it through reference-based pricing, it was significantly less. So- what I learned at that point was, yes, we always knew the healthcare system was broken. I just didn't understand why. And it was that point I learned that, you know, the hospitals make up any darn price that they want as far as charging their consumers for their services. So that was the first aha moment I had. Um, Another one even just as important was we could have the same, if not better quality healthcare for our employees, walking away from what we always knew or what we thought was the best opportunities available, right? So as an HR professional, I'm so happy that we get to save money, but I always look at how it's going to impact my employees and their families because that's, that's a showstopper. So the other thing was the data. So what I learned in this new healthcare space was where our traditional healthcare products, they auto-adjudicate claims, which means they just process claims through the system. They just keep them going. It's like your checks are being written for you, right? You have no way to stop if the train is moving. In this new scenario, you have someone looking and not auto adjudicating claims. They are looking at the claims in your company, not, and more importantly, your employee's best interest to make sure that services that are being rendered were rendered in, you know, a quality fashion that they're not rendered at an exorbitant price and you're not overpaying. So somebody is watching in your, your company's best
1: interest. So I want to dig into this because this is this is just huge. And so, you know, a lot of people hear that term reference based pricing RBP mm-hmm. and they it, it might as well instead of three letters That's be a four letter word. Yeah, it might be a four letter word for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the transparency conversation. Let's play with that CT scan. And everybody's been through this experience. They've just never stopped to think that there's another way of doing it. So I want everybody to think when you get that explanation of benefits and typically we all see that crazy big number, right? Where it's like, hey, the cotton ball was billed at $9 and the you know the Tylenol was $7. Yes. And you yes. know in that situation a CT scan is several thousand dollars. Yep. So let's just play with your number, billed at $3,000. And so, you know, most insurance Companies, most brokers will say, You are with that carrier because they have a big discount, Mm -hmm. right? And I want everybody to think about that word and finish out that sentence. Discount off of build charge. And to your point earlier, the build charge is some made up number, literally not regulated. Nobody knows what it is. It's something off of a charge master somewhere. And it really doesn't mean anything. So, in that $3,000 CT scan, let's just say the big carrier gets a 50% discount, you're still spending after the discount, after the whole value of that insurance company, you're still spending $1,500 on that same CT scan. Where Medicare probably reimburses that same CT scan at that same exact place $300, mm-hmm. maybe $400. And so in your model that you're in today, you're going to pay Medicare plus some sort of profit. Profit. Yeah. Right. And let's say you're going to spend $600 for that same CT scan. So what I want everybody to understand is that that place takes Medicare patients and happily takes the Medicare price. So when you're doing what you're doing and paying Medicare plus, they're getting the cost Plus a profit. Right, they're still making money. Right, who's who's going to complain? And and your employee is the person, and you as the employer, the people that benefit the most. Exactly, and it's such an amazing thing. And you talked about the quality and the data. Right, you're not telling somebody they need to go to Tijuana with a you know a. A, a a tequila bottle and a spoon to get their surgery. You're absolutely not the same exact places that your people went to yesterday, they go to today. You just pay less money for it. Correct. So you're an HR professional. Typically, I'm gonna go stereotype here. Typically y'all are warm and fuzzy people. And you specifically you have your own home life so you're HR here, mm-hmm. your mom here. I am mom. Yeah. And talk to me about that. Take your HR hat and take take Stephanie the healthcare consumer and the decision maker for the healthcare in her household. Now knowing it on the other side, what questions did you ask yourself and what's that aha moment as the consumer of healthcare in the same example? Um, so in my case, I
0: have a 15 year old son and he has special needs and as a consumer of a plan that I had never heard of and the concept I'd never heard of, I was wary first of all, because I wanted to make sure, you know, I knew how it was going to impact, you know, his care, his therapy and all the services he was getting. Um, but then after evaluating, you know, and being told that we would be able to have the same services for him. And it actually turned out we wouldn't pay as much, you know, it was, you know, it was music to our ears because we knew that that was the most important thing.
1: So. So, so Stephanie, I am a sales guy. I put on a nice suit. I go tell stories. I host this podcast. (laughs) They sit in front of you. They try to sell you something. Are you telling me that somebody came and told you that you're going to get the same health care for a cheaper cost? You were wary. You implemented it. And you're sitting here as both HR hat on this shoulder and mom on this shoulder that that actually has come true. 100% it has come
0: true. And- I have a lot of my employees and I'm really proud to have been on this journey from eight years ago from my prior company. And like I said, to now at Hendry Marine, you know, to be having the opportunity to educate my employees as consumers of healthcare. And when I hear them say things about, you know, I'm so glad we have this kind of plan because I know it would have cost me more. And I've saved so much money and I was still able to go to the doctor I wanted to see. Or if I have a balanced bill, I know that someone is looking out for me. Whereas before, nobody cared and I was paying more. And that was something that was meaningful too. Going back to your point a little while ago, I forgot to mention, and this is important, as HR professionals, when we have a change, any change in a healthcare plan or policy You always want to know how it's going to impact you and your HR team. And that was a real big concern of mine um, at my last company in here. But as it turned out, we had more support and advocacy than we had before. And our employees had a lot more support. Whereas before, you would call a number and get in a call queue with Cigna or Aetna and hope if you had a call back, you're talking to the same human being. You know, in our case with concierge care, which is more of a warm hand holding process, your employee or their cover dependent, they get assigned to somebody at the healthcare company, and they're the person that walks them through until the resolution.
1: Stephanie, I, I want to dig into something because I obviously have this conversation every day of my life, right? I started an entire business, a podcast, everything off of Yeah knowing this crap, right? And one of the things I often get from, especially HR professionals is, my employees aren't healthcare experts. This sounds complicated and and all of this stuff. And what you said really rung in my head. If I remember your intro, y'all work at the port of Tampa. Yeah, we're rocking blue collar, Mm -hmm. the salt of the earth. Yep, you know, probably high male concentration. Yep, and um, not healthcare experts. So, if you're talking in 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 in, in the audience right now as an HR professional who is sitting down where you had to sit down and and have this conversation that your renewal is eighteen percent, we could probably get it down to eight. Eight would have required us to you know, increase the deductible another $1,000 and blah, blah, blah. Talk to your old self, talk to other HR, other CFO, other employers on those two decisions. Because to me, both of those are change. An extra $1,000 to an average consumer right mm-hmm. now, is the difference between making or not making a mortgage payment absolutely and you had to make a hard decision and lead the pack and say change yep we're going to take the harder change talk to me about that decision about you know what were you thinking on that and 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 any advice that you might give to to others that are sitting in that same position so it was definitely um
0: a lot of revisiting our plan, you know, and that that's another thing I wanted to bring up. So, you know, in a self-funded world, which was so nice, because I was concerned about, I don't understand what the plan's going to look like with this new non not I call it non-traditional healthcare space. You know, what does the plan look like? How is it going to impact the employees? Well, number one, you know, we kept the plan the same, which was really meaningful to us because not only, you know, weren't, we weren't going to change the plan for the first time in three years. You know, we weren't going to cut the plan design. Uh, we were able to, you know, make sure that we knew we had to communicate these changes really carefully to the workforce. But the and I'm talking about my prior company now, and then I can talk to you about Hendry. But with my prior company, they were also the majority of them were blue collar. They were field service technicians. Um, younger demographic, like I said earlier, we started by communicating with the middle management who were really managing the boots on the ground. So we had our presentation and we wanted to kind of run through it with them just to get their feedback before we were getting it out to the masses. And when we first rolled it out, one of the the managers at the end of it raised his hand and he said, well, that's great for the company, but how, how does it impact the employees? And you know what? We were so glad that he called us out because we realized we had to change the communication strategy to really focus on how it was going to, not, no pun intended, benefit and really help the employees. So we did. We rewrote the presentation and we ended up um, having everyone trained on the dialogue with the communication strategy to the point where those same managers were helping us facilitate the information to their offices cuz we had 14 offices so we had a divide and conquer strategy there weren't an, there wasn't enough bandwidth for everybody you know HR and some of the other managers to get out so we were hosting open enrollment meetings and we were collecting questions from the open enrollment meetings and calling that like our FAQs and then you know compiling those and then pushing them back out And I also think it's important, you know, when you have someone who has a serious health condition, making sure you get like transition of care, you know, to keep. Yes, no matter what you do, if you're going from Cigna to Aetna or United to Aetna, whatever it is, or your Cigna to this type of plan, somebody is always going to be upset. There's always going to be some type of disruption. It's a matter of how you advocate for the employee, and I can tell you that there's a ton more advocacy in this type of world
1: than i had experienced before i i love the communication conversation because i kind of feel you know growing up and you know in the time period that that we did our whole lives have been somewhat trying to insulate people from the true cost of healthcare and how to be a consumer right You know, whether it was the gatekeeper HMO model, that says, well, you could only go where somebody tells you. Yeah. Whether it's you ask somebody what a a doctor's office costs and they're going to tell you $25. So, like, we have no concept of that. And in that conversation, when you say, hey, fine and dandy that this is going to save the company company money. money. Yep. But in my opinion, in doing this non-traditional space that we we do, this is one of the first times in my 25 years doing this business that this is a win-win conversation. It is. We get to win and the employee get to win as the, empl- as, as the employer and the employee get to both win. And typically when you think about the rat race and that definition of insanity, it was I need to raise cost and take more out of the pocket so that i can get the lower down so that is a winning and losing really it's the insurance company winning and the employer and the employee both losing Losing. but yeah it it is on different sides it's like in order for us to save you got to pay more this is a scenario where you were able to take back something that you both
0: saved. we did and it was incredible after the first year um, we saved over a million dollars on the plan cost. And and
1: how many employees was that in that first company? Four um, hundred. Okay, so four hundred. Let's just say that's a five million dollar spend, a million off five. That's twenty percent savings. Like that's about you right. Paid less in healthcare than you did the the day. That, that's not a taking a less crappy renewal and saving from from eighteen no. to eight. This is, we paid a dollar, we paid 20% less than a dollar. That's true savings.
0: But if you think about what we were talking about earlier with the, well, the, you know right? the, the bukas. you know, you get this 55% discount off of some inflated imaginary number. You know, our plan savings is somewhere in the ballpark of 70 to 75% of bill charges, true costs, true savings, dropping right to the bottom line. It and that doesn't even include what you can do with the pharmacy benefits. So it, it's really having the ability to create your own plan that impacts your company. And more importantly, the value and quality of healthcare you're providing your employees and their families.
1: So when you were having those conversations with the employees, obviously that automatically turns into the WIFM right? The what's in it for yeah. me, right? That's the the number one radio station in the world, right? What's yeah. that for me? What was that communication to the employees? And then like, how did you help educate I mean, we them flip specifically? Them. Yeah.
0: So our strategy was to explain that, you know, we were faced with a challenge because we were faced with an 18% increase on an already large number that was impacting not only the company, but them. And we walk them through whether or not we felt there was another opportunity for help another different type of healthcare. And we said there is, and we explained how the healthcare system is broken. I remember playing a video at the time, I, like to your point of the hundred dollar cotton ball, there was a video somewhere of a thousand dollar toothbrush.
1: Yeah, it's uh, um, Adam ruins everything. Why hospitals are so expensive? I know exactly yeah, what you
0: so talking. it was some crazy video, and just tying the the information together, everybody had these aha moments. And you know, it was it was really amazing. And the company our company communication strategy was actually recognized by so many other companies. And it was just, it was a really great time to be part of the team that was part of that implementation. And I'm grateful because when I started with Hendry back in December of 19, I remember sitting down and talking with them to learn about the company. And I was asking what kind of benefits they had. And they had just been on the same type of plan for only one year. And they told me what plan and I said, oh my God, I've been working on that same plan for three years already. And they looked at me like I had three heads and we still laugh about that story, but it was, it was the best fit I could have found because I started here, like I said, in December of 19 and the horse was out of the barn already and we were with the same TPA, you know, the the claims processor, but they were with CVS Caremark for the PBN. So knowing what I knew after 2020 was done, they were gone, you know, and I had some really um, solid experience with another pharmacy benefit manager and brought them in to Hendry um, and implemented them in 21. And then we started our, you know, healthcare strategy because we all know it's not built overnight. So year after year, um, we've just seen some tremendous movement and successes and we're really
1: proud. So I love that word strategy, right? Because you know, at the end of the day, I often joke that companies spend more time planning their company Christmas party than they do thinking about their well, second or third largest expense. And so, you know, you have had movement, right? Hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. You're tweaking things, you're you're, yeah. you're going that. Talk you have to about the- talk to me about the conversation with your executive team, the CEO, the CFO, um, privately held company, you know, so like there's somebody at the end of the day that's stroking the checks that come out every day. What what conversation did you have with them and how are they supporting this conversation? Because, yeah, I feel a lot of times there's either a complete hands-off Right, like, hey, let HR deal with it, and then sometimes that you know gets in a mess, and sometimes it's a helicopter CFO or CEO. Like, (laughs) talk to me about your relationship with that CEO and CFO, and how that whole you know dynamic works. So,
0: in my case, like I said, when I was interviewing for Hendry, I was very fortunate that they had already been in this space for their; they were finishing their first year. but because they knew I had some experience for three years, um, they were very open to, yeah, it was it was like a match made in heaven, I swear. Uh, they were very open to other ideas that I was bringing to the table, as long as it was validated by, you know, results and, you know, what our strategy was. And I do look at it as a healthcare strategy. And I remember, you know, being taught that in my younger Uh, greener days in HR. And I thought, you know, how is this a healthcare strategy when I don't even know, you know, I don't even know what we're spending. We can't see what's going on. You see a report once a year, you know, but this is the complete opposite. Like you literally can see what's happening with your claims and figure out what plans and resources to add to make your plan and your employees more successful. So um they they've been great. I mean they know I'm a think outside the box thinker. Um always I come up with, you know, I wouldn't say crazy ideas. They're just ideas to help move the plan forward and continuing to add value for our employees. So
1: so if you were in front of a room, which that's where I met you, uh you yes. were in front of the room. Yes. Um you're in front of the room and, and the audience is HR professionals. What do you tell them about this journey and knowing you were sitting in their shoes at one point, you have, you know, taken the bullets. Let's say you've been that trailblazer. Mm-hmm. What, what do you tell a room full of, of, of HR professionals about their ability to, you know, impact the healthcare and that, you know, not to feel victim because I, again, I got to assume that until you knew what you knew, you didn't know that it even existed. I had so- no idea. What do you tell a room full of HR professionals? Well, the first thing
0: I tell them is, I completely understand how you feel because I was sitting in that seat. And I always try to encourage HR people to think of themselves as a non-cost center because I look at us as we're adding to the bottom line by the strategies that we're implementing in our healthcare plan. And I want to empower our HR professionals to have more of a voice and to ask questions and to push back to, you know, the brokers, you know, the people, their insurance people that they're working with that may not be bringing them solutions that are bringing them to, you know, better results, better quality care for their employees. If, you know, like the definition of insanity we were talking about. If they're still working with the same broker, with the same solutions, and they have, you know, 50 or more employees and they can really, you know, benefit from self-funded healthcare space, they really need to start looking elsewhere, but have, again, the voice and the boldness to do it.
1: You know what I, What I, when I hear you say that, you know, it's funny, obviously the other side of insurance, right? The property and casualty side and, you know a lot of times that deals with the CFO or a risk manager. And I always think I'm like, HR people touch 60 to 70% of the expense that every company sends out the door between human capital costs, right? Salaries and benefits and and talent. And you can't run a company without the people. HR is is the business. I mean, there is no business. A hundred percent. And, you know, the thing that concerns
0: me sometimes that I hear is, you know, oh, my CEO or my CFO, they're they're best buddies with our broker or they're golf buddies with the broker. Well, if they were your, if their broker or their buddy is your best friend, your best friend is ripping you off because they are not looking out for your company's best interest. And that's a company that you want to partner with is a company that wants to know you they respect your position in you know the chain of command and what you bring to the table but they also want to know your employees you know what are the value propositions that you as a company want to bring to your employees and they should be able to deliver that but also walk you through these steps because it i understand it's scary because you don't know what you don't know that's another one of my favorite sayings you don't know what you don't know um uh, but once you do, you're going to be so grateful. I, I couldn't be more grateful because it's really given me opportunities to find my voice and now go out and speak all over the country and help HR professionals. You know, it's it, I've been very grateful.
1: I I always you know think because you know obviously I, I I was an advisor for a very large firm for for a lot of years and I remember I used to say the same thing like. It could be your brother-in-law. It could be your attorney brother. It could be your hunting, fishing, you golf right. buddy. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your employees and more importantly, yep. their families who trust you as their employer. Right. And this is not something, I mean, when I think about this, a million dollars, let's just say, mm-hmm. and, and aggregated over time at either of the companies you have saved that company millions and millions, and millions of dollars yeah. and i think about that that goes into providing better accommodations for employees that better raises for employees yep it it's retention people. recruiting everything i mean it is it is everything so let's switch that that uh that conversation you're now got a room full of insurance advisors <laughs> Which again, I know you Are you sure you want me to answer this question? I do, oh, I do, because <laughs> you know, the the reason I started this podcast is I, I felt that it was gonna give me an unencumbered, this is just a, a conversation amongst us girls right now, right? Yeah. Hopefully yeah. thousands of people are gonna listen to it later, but right this second, you just tell me, I won't tell anybody. What would you tell a room <laughs> full of advisors out there? Um, because you sit in the HRC. What what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to make sure that they
0: are looking out for their clients' best interests first and not their own. I understand that there are um, categories of rewards or statuses with these big carriers. but really at the end of the day, you know, don't you want to put your head to the pillow at night and know that you did what was in the best interest for your clients, their employees, their families um you've got to learn this space that's outside of the traditional healthcare system because a lot of it is moving in that direction and you don't want to get left behind
1: i i I just so appreciate you saying it just like that i I remember i remember the day i resigned and said the same thing i was like i my mom had just gotten sick you know, I like thinking. My goodness, we're building plans that have three, four, five, eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollar you know expenses for the average person. Knowing that my parents themselves filed bankruptcy, and it's like there's just another world out there. It's harder. It's, it's you don't harder. know what you don't you don't know what you don't know. Right. But I I heard this this morning on a podcast. Name me something that has the most optimal results that isn't a harder road to hoe. And I was like, man, you want to be a good dad, a good mom, a good boyfriend, a good girlfriend, a good aunt, a good uncle. That's a harder situation than being a crappy one. You want to have, you know, you want to lose weight. You want to make money. Every road that ends to the the fruitful place of success, whatever that definition of success is. It's a harder road to to journey down, and so, man, Stephanie, I I, I could talk to you forever about I, this. I could too. I could talk um, hours about this. I, I want you to. Um, we talked about the CT scan. Uh, talk to me about another patient uh, thought process or you know example. Um, yeah, I just want to leave everybody with another personification of you know <clears throat> what 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 it feels like to be an employee or their family and, and well. Ways
0: it's nice as an employer to have control over our healthcare plan because we're the ones that put it together. So that in itself is huge. Um, I wanted to tell you about, you know, talk about transparency again a little bit. So again, when I came on board Hendry, you know, after 2020, back in 2021, they were so gracious enough because they understood and they trusted my experience with this plan that you know, they allowed us to make some changes, but (laughs) mid 2021, when we were doing our mid year review, we, there was a glaring observation with the data and it was, um, a majority of our employees and their covered dependents were not utilizing the preventative wellness benefit. And it was really like 15%. It was something very low. And, we have our average age is late 40s, early 50s, blue collar. These, these men and women work very hard, very physical labor. And right then and there, it was like very concerning that that was going to be very, that could be very catastrophic for people not knowing what is going on with their health. So we decided that we needed to take action. We wanted to do something. So I happened to go to the HR Florida conference that same year, and I was so happy to have met um, the walk clinic. I, I believe you know who they are.
1: I absolutely know. Yeah.
0: So when I saw the walk clinic and I saw the way it was set up, I said to myself, that's what we need to bring on site to the shipyard. And that was August of 21, by January of 22, we had it implemented on site at the shipyard. But beca- again, because we have to imagine what our what our employees need, and we can imagine this ourselves and create the healthcare plan we want. So we started one day a week. Um, now there were a couple things, you know, some strategies. We said if we want our employees to have access to healthcare, they can go on company time; they don't have to clock out. You know, we don't charge them, um, you know, a fee. We have to charge a $10 consulting fee on the um, HSA plan. Nice. Yeah, yeah the, the consulting fee. Um, but otherwise, you know, so at the time we said, all right, we want to drive utilization because you have to get over the 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 fear that the employees had that oh, the big brother's watching, you know, this and that. So we, you know, we held a contest and we were giving away five PTO days for employees who got their preventative wellness check. We put their name in a raffle. And after three months, we were selecting the winner. So within those three months, we had one employee who all he wanted to do was win the PTO, you know, he, you know, really let's, let's not kid ourselves because that's what people are going to do. Right. So he goes in for his preventative wellness visit and the doctor finds a lump in his neck. And he had no idea he had cancer. Wow! So not only did we save that man's life, you know, we avoided what could have been a more catastrophic healthcare claim by taking control of our own healthcare here and bringing it to our employees. And Within that same time frame, we had a second employee who went to the clinic again to win the five PTO days, and um, you gotta, I love these guys; they're awesome. And uh, you know, his sugar was so high he was was having a stroke. So, because we created our own healthcare ecosystem, and all of our vendor partners are connected, you know, the clinic connected him with our diabetes management program. You know, we connected him with our local, you know, endocrinology partners and all those other people. And there are major success stories and it goes on and on. But we saw utilization of preventative wellness go up um, over 40% within the first year. And we increased our um, walkout clinic to two days a week now. And we have over 70 people that deem them the primary care doctor.
1: That's that's amazing. So, as we end up, I, I want to make sure we 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 surface this.
0: I'm sorry, it's yeah. just such a great story. Oh, no, I, I I don't think we ever talked about that.
1: I didn't. I didn't know that. And I love yeah. Chris. I love his concepts. You that's know, funny. I it, it's funny when I was at Willis, I did so many on-site clinics in the series. So I mean, I had 11 clients that had onsite. on oh. my firm. Believer that if you make it easier for people to do the right things, they stay healthier. If they stay healthy, we don't pay long. So, so, but I want to recap all this. You were able to give people free healthcare, give them a better pharmacy program, give them a better medical program, save them money and better, higher quality, better benefits, all that stuff, saving them money. While also saving your company millions and millions and millions of dollars, so then I say, better benefits at a lower cost is possible.
0: It is. So the only thing I can't
1: agree to that the free health
0: care, yeah, the clinic is, yeah, not costing them anything.
1: That's free health care.
0: Okay, I want to make sure that we're talking. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I mean so, that's
1: to to me. Especially being male, I'm 44 years old. Yeah. You give me somewhere I could walk right down the street, right down outside. I'm yeah. on company dime. I didn't have to pay anything. I mean, forget about it. A stubborn male population like you got, like I, I am. I mean, that's I haven't why we dime. did it. So, you know, I love remove it. the excuses. There you go. There you go. So, Stephanie, if an HR professional was like, she is like that's in your background. She is my Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's my. Girl. How uh, how can they how can they follow you? How can they meet you? How they can they you know connect with you? Um, certainly
0: on LinkedIn. You know, I'm very active on LinkedIn as far as you know connecting with people. Uh, I'm very passionate about healthcare, and I do speak at a lot of conferences around the country. Um, I haven't gotten my final schedule for 24 yet other than uh, a conference that we're both speaking at in in uh,
1: February. Right, the, uh, right down the street from me.
0: Yeah. But if you want to share my contact
1: information, you know, after the podcast. I'll let, I'll let I'll people find you on LinkedIn and, and okay. if they want to connect. But but Stephanie, thank you. Uh, I mean, the you know, I think we're going to title this, you know, you don't have to be insane, right? So that the reality of getting off of that hamster reel, getting out of that rat race, is 100% possible is. and thank you for putting your employees first, being okay, being an innovator and being a leader because we need more and more stories like this to get more and more people comfortable that it can, it's not it's safer possible. to hire IBM. It's just it's just not, period, the end.
0: Yeah, I love this. It's my, it's my passion and I'm happy to help anyone who wants to talk about it.
1: Awesome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for our audience. Uh, make sure you like, you download and you share this episode because we all don't get to do what the title of this healthcare uh, podcast is, Impact Healthcare. We can't do it until more employers like Stephanie take that lead, take that leap and and just do what's right. So Stephanie, thanks so much again to our audience. Thanks so much. And we'll see you on another episode of Impact Healthcare. You've
0: been listening to Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry with Lester Morales. Remember, the journey to getting 20% savings on your healthcare benefits starts with total transparency. Remember to subscribe to the Impact Healthcare podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.